Jesus, that great name. One of my favorites, I have to admit. I don't know if she knew that or not, but one of my favorite songs. Jerry Schmidt, will you open us up in prayer, please, buddy? Yes. Jerry. Uh, we'll be in 1 Corinthians if you want to turn there. 1 Corinthians 13. We'll get there here in just a minute once we get it going. Give you a second to get there. It's right before 2 Corinthians. <laughs> A man and his buddy were playing golf one day, and he loved to play golf. And they were playing, and they had come up on one of the holes there, and the ball was laying on the green, and he was fixing to putt. And out of the corner of his eye, he noticed a funeral procession was traveling down the road over there by the golf course. And when he saw the funeral procession, he stopped what he was doing before he would stroke the ball. He took off his golf hat and he laid down his club and knelt down on the green and began to pray. His buddy said, wow, that's something. Man, that's one of the nicest things I've ever seen anybody do as this funeral procession swung by. And the man thought for a minute, and he said, well, yeah, we were married 35 years, and I think I needed to do something. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Was that a groan I heard? <laughs> Funny, isn't it? <laughs> but, it <laughs> but it's true Sometimes. Sometimes that's what we do with our Lord and Savior. Sometimes that's the way we react when we hear that God is love and we are to love other people. We give God a wink and a nod, say, yep, I agree. Yes, God, yeah. But then we go about our business just like life is normal. And we really don't do what he tells us to do, to love God and to love Others, we know what, it, what the Bible says. We know what it says in John 13, 34, where he says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, Jesus says, love one another. And we know that commandment. We've heard that commandment and we've read that. And yet, sometimes that's just not easy to do. And we go... Yeah, but God, I got you. I understand that. But that we don't allow that to change our lives. 
We can't just give God a wink and a nod and say everything's good and we go about our own business. 1965, a singer by the name of Jackie DeShannon sang a song that says, all, the, all we need is love, sweet love. And for those of you guys that were born and know about 1965, uh, you know what was going on in 1965. We had Vietnam War. We had all the protests of the war. We had that, that great hippie movement that I can, I can just see Tom back here with the long hair and, the, and the, I can just see that. I can picture Tom being that way. <laughs> and the drug culture and all of that uh, love and peace and all that kind of good stuff. And she writes this song, All the World Needs is Love, Sweet Love. And, and, and what she was trying to do was, was trying to come up with a song that would revolutionize society. A song that would say, no more war, no more crime, no more abuse, no more poverty, no more starvation, none of that. And all we need is love, sweet love. And in essence, she was right. But I'm not for sure she was singing about the kind of love that we need in order to do that. You see, the, the, the Bible talks about four different kinds of love. And we've, we've talked about these before, but I'm just going to remind you of what those four kinds of love levels are. And the first one is filio, Philadelphia, brotherly love. It's a love that we have for my brother or my sister. It's a love that we have for a very dear friend, brotherly love. We have affectionate love, the kind of love that a parent has towards his child and their child. There's passionate love, eros love that a, that a husband has for his wife and vice versa. And we see those kind of love and I, I think that's what she was trying to get across, those kinds of love. And there's nothing wrong with those. Those are good. We need those in society. But when she sings the words, what we need is love, sweet love, that's not the kind of love that we need. We need what is known as a Agape love, a love that changes society, a love that changes the hearts of man. And that agape love, as we know, is God's love. Agape love is selfless. It is sincere. It's unconditional. Agape love tells us that it's from God himself. Because God, as we know, is love. His very nature is love. And the things that God does flows from agape love. Did you know that? Everything God does is agape love, unconditional love for us. You think about his word right here, the love letter that he gave to us, his holy word. You think about when you pray and he answers yes to your prayer. That's agape love. When he answers no to your prayer, that's agape love. I have a better plan for you than what you think. And because I love you so much, I will not answer that prayer the way you want it, but I have a different plan for you. Do you believe that during the circumstances of life, the struggles of life, the heartaches of life, the difficulties of life, 
All that flows from the agape love of God. Did you know that? It comes from God's agape love. And as I was looking at this and thinking about it and studying, I, th- I thought of, of Job. And we did a study in Job on Wednesday nights a long, long time ago. Where, where Job lost absolutely everything. But God had a purpose for Job. God had a purpose for losing everything. Because God's purpose was from love and not from anger. You see, God wanted Job to be able to see himself as he really was as a sinner. Job struggled with that. Job struggled with pride, and God wanted him to see himself as he was, a a sinner in need of a Savior. He wanted Job to be able to get a clear vision of who God was. And God allowed these things to come into his life. You see, even the circumstances of life, God has a purpose. And those circumstances of life flow from God's agape love to us. He doesn't do anything that is bitter and angry at us. He does everything out of love. That's the kind of love that we're called to have. Love comes from God. It is a kind of love that is demonstrated when God sent Jesus to the cross. That's agape love. It's a kind of love that says, I love the wicked. I love the sinner. I love the enemies of God. I love those that even reject me, God would say. I still love them with agape love. Unconditional, selfless, sincere, not hypocritical kind of love. And I guess what? God has called us to live love that way too. I wish he hadn't set that bar so high. He's called us to love others just how he loves us. And that's a hard bar to get up to, isn't it? But that's what he has called us to do. And you think about that, and and as I say that, I'm sure in your mind some of you went there. I can't love people like Jesus loves people. Just can't do it. I know I'm supposed to. But I can't get there. You don't, God, you don't know what they've done to me. <laughs> you don't know how mean and honorary they are. I just can't get there. And we say, yeah, God, I understand that, but I can't do it. Well, the answer is, yeah, you can. You see, agape love comes when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's where that kind of love comes from. If you've never been born again, you cannot love like God has called you to love. It comes only from your acceptance of Jesus as Lord and Savior. He is, he is King and He's Lord of your life. And because of that, the Bible says, He has given us the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit indwells within us, we are able now to love those who are unlovable. Romans 5, 5 says this about that. It says, And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our heart through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. You see, the Holy Spirit pours out that love from us. And we get that when we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know, I think we can, we can muster up, if you would, uh, love for a brother or a sister. Uh, we, can, we can muster up enough love to love those kids that even though we struggle with some days. We can, we can muster up in our own strength that, that passion, that love we have for a spouse and a loved one. 
But you can't muster up agape love. You can't muster up the kind of love that we have to have for other people. We can't be good enough. We can't be strong enough. We can't pull those bootstraps up hard enough to have that kind of love. That kind of love only comes from God through His Holy Spirit. It's in us. It's in us. It's there if you've been born again. But the question arises, do you want to do that or not? Do you want to be obedient to that? Do you want to be able to love that unlovable person? You want to love that person that's done that to you, whatever that might be. We either choose to love like Jesus has called us to love or we choose not to love like he's called us to. That is our choice as Christians. 1 Peter 2.17 says this. It tells us we are to love the family of God. We are to love the family of God. 1 Peter 2.17 says, Honor all people. Love the brethren. That's the family of God. Fear God and honor the king. We are to love the brotherhood. We are to love every person in this room. Hmm. We are to love our enemies. Matthew 5.44. We looked at that last week. We looked at that last week where we said the enemy, maybe it's not somebody that hates us, but maybe it's that person that's broken that relationship with us. Maybe that person that, that we no longer uh, want to visit with, talk about, be friends with. And that relationship is broken. And, 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 and we talked about doing what? Praying for those people. Praying for that person who has broken that relationship. Praying that you would be able to do something to heal that relationship. It is praying that you do not seek revenge, but you seek reconciliation. How God-honoring God is that when that happens? When, when we have that relationship that's broken, and yet you pray about it, and you pray for them, and you start seeking the best for them. And the world will begin to see that, and they'll know that you one time you have been crosswise, and now you're not. What kind of honor does that give to God? Yeah, it gives it all to him. Because the world tells us we aren't supposed to be like that. That's not the way we're supposed to be. Boy, somebody does something to me, it's, it's payback time, it's revenge time, I'm getting even. And yet when we humble ourselves and be obedient to God's word, who gets the glory on that? God does. He calls us to be that way. We are to love our husbands and our wives. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her selflessly, sacrificially, unconditionally is the way Jesus loved his church. When we love that way, unconditionally, sacrificially, I'm telling you, the world will see it. We reflect God's love. The world will see that we care for him, that we love him. And they'll, wonder, they'll want to know why, how can you do that? If anybody's looking for a compliment <laughs> for, for putting a relationship back, that would do it. When somebody asks you, how can you love that person? I know what they did to you. I know what they did to you. And yet you t- return in love. That's a compliment to you. And that is a compliment to God himself. Wouldn't that be a great thing to be able to do that? And because we love 
like Jesus has called us to love, we are to tell other people about the love of God. I read a quote from Ben Gillette. Ben Gillette. I don't know if you know who that is, but that is, it is the other half of Ben and Teller, that comedian team. Well, trust me, that's who he is, okay? <laughs> and he said this, Ben Gillette is an atheist. Has nothing to do with God. Doesn't want to do anything with God. And he says this. I'm going to read you the quote. He says, you know, I don't respect people who do not proselytize, which means to tell the good news. If you believe there's a heaven and you believe there's a hell and that people could be going to hell, how much do you have to hate a person not to tell them the good news of the gospel? Well, I got to reading that. that uh, that's hard. If you know the way to heaven, if you know what it takes for a person to go to hell, he said, how much hate do you have to have not to tell them? That's a statement, isn't it? You see, we are called to love the unlovable. You see, we are called to love people enough to go tell them the good news. We have to love people enough to say, hey, God loves you, that Jesus died for you, and that if you reject him in this lifetime, you'll be rejected for eternity, separated with him forever and forever. You see, we have to love people enough to tell them. And that love comes from agape love. It comes from God himself as he has implanted that in us through his Holy Spirit. We've got, a people, got to be a people that love like he's called us to love. In 1 Corinthians 13, and I told you it'd take me a minute to get there, but we did finally. And that is, and, and many of you know, that is the great love chapter. And since we're on this idea of love and, and loving others, I, I, I want to go over the first three verses there, not, not four through seven. We read four through seven Wednesday, so we're not going to do that. But I want to read one, two, and three and see if we can pull something out of that about how important it is to love, how important it is to love other folks. The Apostle Paul, as he is writing this, uh, in chapter 12, he's writing about spiritual gifts. Those spiritual gifts that have been given to every believer, those spiritual gifts that are used to bring God glory and to edify other people, not for your own good, but for somebody else's good. Every church member who's been born again has a spiritual gift. I see many of those spiritual gifts in our church even right now as I look over the crowd. I, I know what your spiritual gift is. I, I just know. I've seen it in action. So he's been talking about spiritual gifts and the greatness of spiritual gifts and how we are to use those to build up God's kingdom. And, and some spiritual gifts are, are uh, more famous, I guess, than others. And how some people desire the great spiritual gifts. 
But he, he kind of begins to contrast in, verse, in chapter 13 about those gifts. And in chapter 13, verse 1, we read this about that. He says in verse 1, he says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I speak with the tongues of men, Paul is writing here and he says, if, if you knew all the languages of the world, if you knew German, French, Spanish, Italian, uh, Zimbabwe, Shoni, Nubala, if you knew all of those languages and you were able to go preach the, the message in, in every country and you could just stand up in front of them and you could speak every language there, if you had that much ability, or he said, if you have the, the language of the angels, which could be speaking in tongues, one interpreter said, could be angels have their own language. And if you could just speak to the angels and converse with them and you can have, know all the languages of the world. But then the next part of it says What? But if you do not have love, you become a nosy gong and a clanging cymbal. Notice that your words are meaningless. Notice that all you're doing is, is if you don't have love, you're just speaking. But it has no meaning to it. You become, it says, not what you're saying become. You become just a clanging cymbal. Can you imagine? You've seen that maybe on a gong show where they hit that thing and boom, 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 vibrated all over and it's clanging those cymbals all over that stuff. And the, just the noise that he makes. And Paul says, when you don't have love, that's what you become. You become a gong or a clanging cymbal. Your speech is worthless because you do not love other people. That's the importance of love. Verse 2. We read in verse 2, he says, If you have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if you have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, you are nothing. I am nothing. If you have the gift of prophecy, if you know and able to forecast the future, if you know what's going to happen tomorrow and next month, if you had that ability to know when Jesus is coming back, okay? Nobody does, but if you had that kind of ability, if you knew the prophecies of this world and God had revealed all those to you and you don't have love, it says you are nothing. If you knew the mysteries and all knowledge, if you knew everything that's ever happened from day one, if God had revealed that to you, that you knew all the discoveries and all the things that are going to be discovered, and you knew everything about everything, you were that smart. And he says, but if you do not love, you are nothing. If you have the faith to move mountains, that's a lot of faith, isn't it? Bible talks about the faith of a mustard seed. If you just had the faith of the littlest seed out there, the mustard seed, 
you could move mountains. Well, maybe you had that kind of faith. Maybe you could say to the Rocky Mountains, go, go up there and, and go somewhere else. You had that much ability. And yet the Bible says, if you don't have love, it says, I am nothing. You see, it's important to be able to love. It's important to be able to love the Lord. It's important to be able to love one another. Then it says in verse 3, if I give all my possessions to the poor, well, that's a noble thing, uh-huh. And I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Oh, my goodness. You mean if I had gave everything I own to help the poor and I don't have love, I get nothing out of it? You see, God knows the heart, doesn't he? God knows our motivations for whatever we do. We can't, we can't trick him. If, if we give to the poor, we give to the church, we give wherever you want to give. And we give it out of duty. We give it out of, yeah, I guess I have to. We give it out of, well, it makes me feel superior when I give to somebody that has much less than I have. If I, if I give and I gripe about it because those folks should be smarter and be more responsible. Yeah, but I, I'm going to pitch them a dollar anyway. You see, when the Bible says when we give like that, when our hearts are not right, when we want to uh, get some glory out of it and we don't do it out of love, what, what does it profit us? And the Bible says nothing nothing you could give it all away give it all away but if your heart's not right if your heart doesn't love and you don't do it out of love and for God's glory and you want to do it so you'll get your name on some sign somewhere you might as well just keep it because it profits you nothing the Bible says what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul doesn't profit you anywhere and then it says in that verse again, in verse 3, Or if I surrender my body to be burned, if I'm willing to sacrifice my body for the cause. And I got to thinking about that. If I don't have love, it doesn't profit me if I were to die. Did you know that? I thought about those guys that flew those planes into the, the towers in New York City. I mean, they had, they had a motivation, didn't they? Their motivation wasn't love. Their motivation was, man, when I die, I've got this great reward in heaven. I believe they said there's like 75 virgins waiting on them. And they, and they thought about what they were going to do. And if they gave their life, that this great reward will be in heaven. And I'm here to tell you the second they took their last breath here, they understood there was no reward for them. There was no, no, nothing good that happened because the Bible says they were thrown into the pit of hell to be there forever and forever. What they thought was a good thing, it profited them not. Those that blow themselves up, same kind of a deal. Doesn't do them any good. They just get to spend eternity a little quicker than what they thought. You see, God wants us to be loving people. And he wants us to love in the right way, love with the right heart, and the only way we get that heart is from him. Not that we mustered it up. 
You see, loving others is important because whatever we do in life, if we don't do it in love, it profits us nothing. It says we are nothing. We become nothing but a noise with meaningless words. In Colossians 3.17, it says this. Whatever we do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to the Father, through God the Father. Whatever we do in word or deed, we do it for his glory. 1 John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. Whatever we do, let us not love with word or tongue. Don't just talk about it. But in deed and in truth. You see, for the Christian, agape love demands more than words. Agape love deserves, demands action. It's more than words. It's all about actions, what we do and why we do them. Agape love says I am sincere and not hypocritical in what I do. Agape love says, I truly love people even though they probably don't deserve it. Agape love says, it's a love that flows from the heart. That flows through the hands and the feet. Think about that one. It's a love that doesn't count the cost. It doesn't try to receive any glory from it. It's a, lo- it's a love that sacrifices for others, just like Jesus sacrificed for us. That is a picture of a godly, agape love. Yeah, when she sang that song, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. She wasn't lying. What the world needs now is the love of God. What the, love, what the world needs now is the sacrificial love of Jesus And what the world needs now is authentic Christians loving like he's called us to love others. Authentic Christians who love like he's called us to love others. A life that's lived must be a life of love. Because that is our commandment to be that way. Agape love is a choice. We can choose to love like he's told us to. I struggle with that. I can't do it. Yeah, I know. I mean, we all do that. But it's in there. And we allow the Holy Spirit to show us that and to teach us that. And we surrender to that. And only then can we have that kind of agape love that we need to have for others. It's there. It's in us. It's given to us through the Holy Spirit. And we can allow the Holy Spirit to love us. To teach us to love other people. I can't do that on my own strength. And the question is, do I want to do that? Do I want to love like Jesus has called us to love? As we begin our invitation time. That's the message. Agape kind of love. Love that comes from God. Supernatural love, if you would, (laughs) because it comes from Him. 
Who is it that you struggle with to like, much less love? <laughs> There's one. <laughs> Who is it you don't you struggle to like, much less love? And you'll never love them in your own strength. But you ask God to give you that kind of love. It might take a day, it might take a week, it might take a year. But that's what God has called and he said he would do for us to love people like that. As we begin, begin invitation time, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Now I'm going to say, again, every Sunday I ask you just to do business with God. I know God speaks to people in different ways sometimes in a crowd this size. So I just, I'm just going to ask you just to see what God has said to you. Ask him to give you that kind of love for people that he's called us to have. This piano plays. You do business with our God.